This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a live edition of the Blue Monday podcast. I don't really know what this is. It's not quite a preview show or a review show. It's not on the normal day. Bit of a weird schedule for us this week, but we're trying to keep up. And we are live, of course. So please do say hello if you're um, watching now and you're in the comments. You can see Joe is in particularly cantankerous form today. I'm looking forward to spending the next um next bit time with him um do say hello do get your questions in um as we go as well we're going to talk a little bit about the pizza cup um i'm sure we'll talk a lot about john mcgreal and that news today we'll talk a little bit about barrow and then whatever the hell you want to talk about in the chat evening to charlie uh skip andres uh michael james simon was that rude seb i've said evening to them before i've said evening to you no, absolutely not. No, it's the fan show, this one, isn't it? It's the one where they, <laughs> they set the agenda and they're the ones that are important. Seb the so. politician. Listen to that answer. He's a man of the people, Joe. Joe will give you the straight answer now. No, no, I think the viewers are more important than the hosts, so we should just watch an empty screen for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and Joe, what would you call this this show? It's not really a review or, or a preview, is it? Surely you've got something pithy for me. Welcome to um, FPL Tractor as well. The, the pre-re-match. No, I've got I've got nothing. The pre-re-amble. Um, Just a point, though, for anybody who can guess why I'm wearing this shirt tonight. Oh, I think I can guess, and we'll probably get onto that in the um, next segment. Um, Richard, disagree with Seven J. There you go. He's very disagreeable, Richard, but he's in our good books today because he's interviewed Christian Walton, the Ipswich Town goalkeeper. So don't do it now. That would be very, very silly, wouldn't it? Because you're watching us right now. But do check out Richard's interview with... Um, with Christian Walton, that's up on the channel and down the uh, podcast feed. Um, let's have a little look at um, last night and the Pizza Cup. So, Seb, let me get this right. Second round, how many games were we from Wembley? Uh, this is the last 32, isn't it, I think? So it would have been three, four, including <laughs> last night, I think. I don't know, I lose track. But yeah, yeah four games. Like four games four from Wembley and, and then the final, yeah. yeah. Oh. It was still regionalised up until a certain point, wasn't it? No, it's not regionalised anymore. It, uh, the regionalisation okay, ends after the group stages. There we go. Um, so we were hardly on the cusp then. I can't be disappointed. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't driving up Wembley Way then, was I? Um, let's have a little look at um, what was going on. Hang on, I need to press share screen first. Organise as ever. My apologies. There we go. Can we all see that? Yes, we can. Here is your team, um, Joe. Last night, Hladke in goal, Penny, Burgess, Wolfenden, Vincent Young, Carroll and El Mazzuni, Edwards, 
Harper, Jackson, and Piggock. Um, Joe, how many of those players would you call first teamers? And what were your thoughts on the strategy and the um and the sort of strength? Keep your comments coming in, guys. I'll I'll put some of these up and give them um across well, the, it was the as we go. It was the eleven changes from Saturday, wasn't it? Which I think most people expected. I suppose you look through that team and you'd say Joe Piggott, Kyle Edwards. Matt Penny, Cameron Burgess, Kane Vincent Young are all players that if you if they started the next game, you wouldn't be massively surprised about it. If Tom Carroll was fit, probably the same. But you look at the team, it's a team plenty good enough to beat the team that they were up against. You see a young Arsenal team with other than following Balogun up front, that no senior experience in there at all. Some promising players in there that you might have heard of, like Charlie Patino, but it's, a, it's just a team. You've just got to... Just got to Beaten, don't you? Average age nineteen point three years. Seb, yeah, I mean, when, when I saw the lineup, I guess you know we were all expecting a load of changes. But when I saw that, I thought, hang on, this team could, I think, quite comfortably got to, or certainly got to the at least what the semis. And then I guess Cook has to make a decision if he's going to bring bring in some of the more experienced first team players. But when I saw it, I was pretty happy with the eleven. And I thought, yeah, this is going to be a uh, not a piece of cake because obviously it's a British town and this is the kind of stuff we do, but. I was expecting a decent performance and a decent victory, and I thought this this kind of lineup, this sort of experimental lineup, could go could go a few more rounds yet. So, Joe, you were there, weren't you? Um, first half, all um, all very delightful. Um, Caden Jackson with two goals, little bit of a lucky deflection, I think we can um, suggest on the first one. Second goal was very good, wasn't it? Um, great cross by Penny and a good finish across the near post by Jackson. Yep. So. Talk to me about the first half, Joe. Talk to me about um, Jackson, who uh, we've talked about many times on the pod, seems to have the raw qualities that a a viable League One striker would have in terms of the pace and the explosive nature, but seems miles off our um, our first level. Talk to me about the first half and those two goals. Yeah, the the first 10 minutes were a bit, sort of both sides just seemed to be feeling each other out without a huge amount going on. And then... We just seemed to get on top. We managed to sort of press them quite successfully, force a number of errors, just sort of really push into them and get on, get on top of the game. And we were we were rewarded with the two goals, both from Jackson. I thought while there was a deflection on the first goal, I thought it was a really sharp, sharply taken goal. There was a loose pass. He just dived onto the ball and took a shot early, which the keeper, I was right behind the goal. So you see the keepers, currently see it around the defender. So it goes late and it sneaks in that near post on his side. And then he nearly dropped his olives, Seb. And then the second goal was <laughs> second goal was really good on on that side where it was again it was winning the ball up in a high high area of the pitch. Tom Carroll quickly playing the ball into Matt Penny, good ball in from Penny and Jackson getting across his man and just hammering it past the keeper. Really good finish. And I thought Jackson was probably our sort of probably our best player by some distance in the first half. I thought he was him and Vincent Young were linking up quite well. They were fast, aggressive with their running, pacey, and did well and. I'd say 2-0 up at half-time against a team of kids. What, what could possibly go wrong? you agree with um, Joe's assessment, Seb? Yeah, I mean, I didn't I didn't watch it. I was following it on Twitter and stuff, and it just sounded like it was quite a professional performance at that stage. You know, I guess you've got what you want. You've got the players who've come in and try and make a bit of an impact and try and get themselves in Cook's thinking. You know, Jackson goes out, gets a couple of goals. Penny gets an assist, which is great for his confidence. And I just kind of thought at half-time, OK, well, I guess we're going to see the game out relatively comfortably now. But no, as, as I said earlier, it's Ipswich Town and we don't do that, do we? What went wrong then, um, Joe? Dreadful um, goal on 68 and then... El, El Calapso, it's down as an own goal, but it looked like it went pretty much straight in from the corner and caught Kladke out. I'll, I'll give the um, Arsenal youngsters credit. The second goal was kind of nicely worked, but it was a little bit of a parting of the Red Sea. It was a nice little um, flick in the build-up to that that was uh, quite nice. But um, wh- why the collapse, Joe? It's because we're Ipswich Town and we're a Paul Cook Ipswich Town side, and that's that's what we seem to do this season. We 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 go ahead in games, and as soon as the other team tries and turns a screw for a bit, we just part like the Red Sea and can see chances. It was just before the first goal, Balogun had got in and just couldn't quite get the balls out of his feet, and luckily Haladki was sharp to get off the line and dive down and take it off his toes. There's another decent move with ball over the top, and it was Balogun again right on the back post. He's got an open goal and manages you to sort of Balogun last season, Joe, didn't you? He scored a good goal against us last year, yeah. and or the year before maybe, and um, he just shanked an open goal wide when it was easier to score, and then he he then gets away again, hammers a left foot shot that goes over, 
the ref gives it as a corner, but it, it's it's nowhere near touching the Ipswich player. It should never have been a corner. And the corner, yeah, like I said, it was right in front of me. But it, Vincent Young gets a touch on it, but it looks like it's just going straight in and it's got down to an awkward height by the time it gets to Ladke. It's hard to... I haven't watched it back. I haven't sort of pained myself to sit and watch <laughs> the highlights of the game back, but sort of went straight in from there. And then their tails were up, passing the ball around and... Um, so they just had another decent move and that one just goes flu- through Haladki. I'd say it's like a donut in goal. The ball just goes through him. I think I read on Twitter <laughs> earlier, which seemed a good description of him from someone. And it was, uh, but I'd, I'd said to my friend in the first half, he was saying, Arsenal's, Arsenal's kids aren't really up to much con- considering the sort of standard you expect from them. And they weren't. You, we you, were expect, over them. you expect Smith, Rowe and Saka, don't you? Yeah, and I, I just <laughs> said to him, I said, in these sort of games, it's just all about momentum. When you're playing these young teams, if you can just get on top of them and stop their momentum, you, they, they won't get back into the game. But we just we just seeded control of the game. And I think it looked like, to me, it looked like Tom Carroll was struggling from about an hour, Mark. He, he, he wasn't really getting around the pitch as he was before. But we just didn't make any changes until the goals were there. And it's just a... Uh, a consistent thing, whether it's the first team, the second team, whatever it is, as, as soon as as soon as soon the other team starts to get on top of the game, it, it they just they just cut through us at will almost. And uh, Keep your comments coming in, guys. We'll get to some of these. Seb, um, explain this to me. I, I can't understand this, how um, you can make 11 changes, but the same kind of... Uh, mental flaws and fallibilities are present in a completely different team. Can you get your head around that? Well, not from a player's point of view, but I guess the, the, the consistent thing is the the coaching staff and the manager on the touchline, isn't it? You know, we just simply don't change anything in game. We we are four two three one, and every single side knows that's what we're going to be. And if we make a sub, we're probably going to make it fairly late on, and we're going to change like for like. So you know, if we bring a striker on, we're going to take a striker off, and and nothing changes. And you know, that is the only constant. When, when you, we've seen it so far, I guess in the FA Cup as well against Oldham, you know, the second half was pretty poor there, and we have had these games. We've made rafts of changes. And no matter who the opposition is, no matter who the players on our side are, we, we do the same thing. And it must just come back to the the lack of in-game management for me. I think that's what it has to be. Um, Joe Fez, you're a man of the world. How many live penalty shootouts have you seen in your football watching time? Um, I don't know. Well, I saw obviously the Colchester one recently, the Chelsea one back in the day. I've seen England. Yeah, I saw that one. I've yeah. seen England lose on penalties to Portugal in oh, no. both Euro 2004 and World Cup 2006 live. Oh. They're the ones off the top of my head, those he's, five. He's gazumped my Aston Villa West yeah. Brom in the playoffs semi final a couple of years ago, Seb. All I've got is uh, all I've got is Shrewsbury away under Roy King. It was like a three all draw. I think it was second game of the season. And uh yeah, Connor Wickham I scored scored twice and I saw us win a penalty shootout for the, the one and only time I've ever seen it. Do you like a penalty shootout, Seb? Yeah, kind of well, makes me feel a bit if it's England, but yeah, obviously when you're not involved, it's fantastic, isn't Great it? Great you know, being a neutral, uh, yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. But when it's when it's when it's England, I kind of up until I guess Colombia a couple of years ago, I was always resigned to the fact they would lose, and I'm, I'm kind of a bit like that with Ipswich as well. You know, Shrewsbury aside, I've never seen us win one, so I kind of accept it almost before they're taken. So I'm kind of almost relaxed whilst watching it. But if you're but a neutral, shootouts yesterday up. and the culture game were just. It's almost like a joke just watching them because you don't really the intensity care. It's like training or something, isn't it? Yeah. yeah it is. I say, it yeah. wasn't quite the tension of a playoff final. I was going to say that Columbia one, I almost felt more sick when they were one penalty away from winning it than the normal England thing of, oh, with it, yeah. we've done, we've messed it up again. We're going to lose again. But um, let me just bring up these uh, pens. So Connor Chaplin seemed to be brought on uh, specifically to take one here on um, 91 minutes. So... Uh, Evans scored, Balogun scored, Chaplin scored. Um, Olad Mahad um, has been shortened there. Um, well, that is probably... actually his name, Salah Olad Mahad. There you go, Mahand. Mahand I'm probably yeah. butchering his name there. My apologies to his... Um, as long as ex- it's Halal butchering, I think you'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's all kosher around here. Um, so, Selena and Piggott miss Wreckick. Uh, uh, misses as well um joe what did selena and piggott do? piggott hit the post with a yeah well, silly selena, run up as well didn't he against colchester he he took the run up where he just sort of like trots up to the ball and then just very casually just knocks the ball to the keeper's right which was fine against colchester when the keeper dives the other way but this time the keeper dived and just chucked his hat on top of the ball basically and saved it and it's like well come on 
just smash the ball as hard as you can because the keeper's not going to save it. Piggott's penalty was a good penalty, but the keeper gets a gets a small hand to it and knocks it onto the post. But the thing is, with Piggott, it comes back to him and he swings his left boot at it and the keeper even palms that one over the bar. It really keeper, wasn't his night. keeper made a great save in normal time as well. He yeah, made a brilliant save from Rakeem yeah. Harper, Harper, yeah. yeah. And wasn't Piggott unlucky? Didn't he have a goal ruled out for offside that was questionable? I saw. Oh, I, I couldn't tell if it was questionable or not because it was at the okay. North Stand end and I was at the other end. But yeah, he had a he had a header that he should have scored. He, he got up high, had sort of half a goal to aim at and just nudged it just wide and then had a decent chance of his left foot that the keeper palmed away. And then he had the disallowed goal. So he really came to life in that last 10 minutes. But <laughs> it um, wasn't to hit. It went to penalties and he still didn't score. But it's just such a shame for him because he's obviously a really good player. But he's just not having any luck at the moment, is he? Um, keep your comments coming. I promise I'll go uh, go to them in a minute. Uh, Seb, I mean, we're, we're giggling. Joe's describing the penalties as a as a training session. Um is it is it possible to go anywhere near football supporter outrage after this? Does does anybody really care, or are there some actual issues that keep getting churned up in these games? Yeah, I mean, given how the season's going, you know, I I, I personally do care. You know, I think it was a chance for us to win. We always hear that stat: are we one of what seven or eight sides that have never played at Wembley? Right. A couple of big boys went out last night, so it was a chance to do some good. And also, it was a bit of a distraction from you know how how badly and how poorly the league season is going because there's not a chance any of us or any of the ownership group or anybody thought we'd be at this stage, you know, the season where we are in the league. So from that point of view, it's kind of a nice sort of distraction, and and we should be beating the likes of Arsenal. The 21s. We lost to West Ham's on the 21s earlier in the competition as well, didn't we? We should be beating them. And then, you know, suddenly you're, you're three games from Wembley and you've got a bit of momentum behind you because you've won two games on the bounce at home. So for me, it, it's concerning because, as we've already said, no matter who changes, the, the players on the pitch change, the system doesn't change, and the same result seems to happen. We have this mental fragility, this lack of in game management and changing, and it's, 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 it's a massive problem. What's your reaction to that, Joe? Yeah, no, I agree with Seb on on the football side of things as well. But just as a sort of club stature thing, for me, I think it's an embarrassment really losing a game, a serious game to Arsenal under twenty ones. It wasn't, I say, I, maybe it's a bit different. But like all my mum's family, are like North London Gooners, home and away fans, and it wasn't that long ago that they used to come down here for league games and we'd sort of give them a decent game and go up there. And and now we're we're so far behind them. We felt a, it felt like a chasm behind them when we played them in the League Cup semi-final in 2009. But obviously we won a game, went there and sort of put a good account of ourselves on. Now we've, we've got a team of professionals out there, a team of highly paid, highly sought after players. And we're, and we're losing at home to Arsenal under 21s. I thought it was embarrassing when we lost to West Ham under 21s earlier this season. I thought it was embarrassing when we lost to Arsenal under 21s last year. We we should not be losing games to youth teams for Premier League sides. And it's just something. And I think I'd sort of see on on Twitter or TWTD like, oh, it's only a Pete's Cup. It doesn't matter. I think, well, this is the sort of attitude, this sort of carelessness and don't give a shit how if we lose this game. That has led to us being mid-table in the third tier and the fans still thinking the manager's doing a good job in a transitional season. And it's like the the expectations are continually lowered from the team that should attack League One to win it to, oh, well, we've started badly, we'll still go for the playoffs to, okay, well, hopefully we'll get in the playoffs. And it's been the same story the last three years. And And I think just the acceptance of cup defeats plays into that as well. It's just, I don't know, like the FA Cup, like, we put we put a decent we put a decent team out and we didn't win, but like I say, you go to Oldham and like you've just got to beat them and you, we've got Barrow on Saturday that we're going to talk about. You've just got to beat these teams and actually try and get some good feeling in the club. I mentioned previously on with regards to momentum, like with obviously that crew game which felt very flat after the win. We've got Arsenal one of twenty ones at home, Barrow at home, and then we've got the big game against Charlton that we go into. If we have another performance on Saturday, like we've just had, we're going to be flat as a pancake going into that Charlton game, and and that could be the game that decides Cook's tenure, whether he's going to keep his job or not. If we if we don't get a result there and don't get a result, we that that could be it. I I say, I'd, and I don't think he'd be able to have any complaints if it was. I'm not saying sack the manager, get him out, but lose another couple of games, and they are they're, they're going to be tough games. Then we're in a really really poor position and. And like I say the cups gives the fans something to cheer about, don't they? If we, like, I think a couple of years ago we played Exeter away in the EFL Trophy, as it was then, and we lost, and it's like oh, annoying. Yeah, which but that we was even closer. Of, that was a couple of rounds further was, on, yeah, wasn't it, Joe? Round, yeah, yeah we beat Peterborough, and it's like okay, 
disappointing to lose to Exeter, but they're a decent League Two side. But losing to a youth team is just no, it's beyond the pale for me personally. Let's go to some some of the comments. Keep your comments coming in on last night. If you're if you're wanting to ask a question and get a comment, we're going to talk about John McGreal next, and then we're going to talk about Barrow. So if you want to get some comments in on them, I'll put them to Joe and Seb. Um, skip intro, Seb. What do you make, if anything, of Jackson's lack of celebration for for both goals? Um, and can I add on to the end of that? Um, where, where, where do you sort of see Jackson in in January, Seb? Would he go to another League One club or lower down? I guess it will depend if we can bring anybody in. I mean, I guess the lack of celebration is a, a combination of the kind of, you know, the, the the level of the game and also the fact that he could probably score four last night and he's, he's not going to start on, 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 on in a league game, is he? let's be honest. I guess in January, we clearly extended his contract thinking we could probably sell him and get some money for him. Otherwise, there was there was no point doing that. And I guess if we can't bring a striker in and potentially Norwood goes out, then we're probably going to have to keep him in the building as a as the third choice kind of bench option for to cover injuries or if we, if we do get a few later rounds of the FA Cup against lower opposition to maybe make a couple of appearances there but it seems strange to extend his contract last year and not have a definitive plan for him but I think he's miles off the first team we know he can't play in that lone striker role he's been sort of tried on this this wide attacking role which he had some joy out last night but I think he's miles away from the first team um, This one's FPL Tractor Joe is last night on the manager or the players, I know what DD would say, so you can't say a bit of both. Can I just parlay two comments in before you answer that, Joe? Uh, Simon, um, if yesterday was a one-off, then I would argue it's the players. He's kind of responding to FPL's comment there. Uh, but it's been a theme for parts of this season, which I think you've already kind of said, um, Joe. Uh, John, fundamentally, the club seems to have such a brittle mentality from top to bottom. Uh, players struggle to handle adversity uh, when we're put under some pressure. Um, I don't want you to go into repeating stuff, uh, Joe, but just to take the question in its literal sense, um, manager or players, and you can say a bit of both if you want. Well, it's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because the players come into the team and you and you hope that they're going to grab their opportunity with both hands to try and get a start in the league game. And I, I don't think you can honestly say anyone did that, maybe other than Caden Jackson, who's probably so far away that... It doesn't really matter. I thought Idris Elmazuni was probably the only player, and I know Craig had said this as well in our chat, that actually looked like he was out there putting himself about and didn't just wilt physically he always, and mentally he in the game. He plays the same way in every game he plays. Yeah, though, he, if he, he, if he play, but, probably plays like in training, doesn't he? But but you talk about individual... Like, again, Cook's... Like, Brenner's really... I, I, I listened to the Suffolk on the way home, and Brenner's question, I felt, was really soft on him. Like what can you do when all these individuals keep making mistakes? There's surely nothing you can do about this as a manager. And he was, and I, I haven't got the exact wording, but he's basically saying, yeah, we can't stop individual mistakes until we get different individuals or get them We're knocked talking out of individual individuals. Mistakes. Well, are we talking about the, the own goal or the penalties? P- potentially. Um, maybe Clacky as well for the couple that you can see. Maybe that, that but, but Cook, like I said, I don't know if the comments were on TWT, but he basically said like, we're not going to change the individual errors until we change the individuals. And it's a bit like how many more players can you chuck under the bus since you've been here before? Maybe you have to take a look at yourself in the mirror because when the same things are happening, the same times we are what our record is and it is not very good. And it's weak limp cup exits again as well. Newport earlier in the season. Again, we sort of scraped through this group, even though we lost to West Ham and drew at home to Colchester. And it's now, another disappointing defeat with like I say we we hear all this talk that we've got the strongest squad in the league and and I don't think many people disagree with that if it's not the strongest squad it's certainly in the top two or three but yeah every time we make substitutions in game they seem to make us worse as a team we don't improve when we bring on quality players from the bench we don't we play our second team and it's a second team that most a lot of players in that most teams in this division would kill for a lot of those players sort of Joe Piggott in that team and Kane Vincent Young and Idris El Mazzouni and Tom Carroll and Connor Chaplin and Kyle Edwards and you think this is a this is a second team and they're all top players at this level and it's like at what at what point is is it I, I don't know obviously the manager is the player is the person that gets the stick initially but he I say we've we've got to be better and he's got to make us better and if the players are making individual errors well ultimately that reflects badly on him and we we can't just allow him another window just to bin off the another ten of his signers and bring another ten in. It's like no, you've got you've you've got the best squad. Make it work. 
This is a problematic comment, um, Seb. I love Joe. <laughs> he gets it. Um, I, I don't, Simon, your last comment was really good. I don't endorse that one. About the Cobalt um, Massive. <laughs> don't endorse that one at all. Um, Piggott, uh, yeah, Piggott's goals miles offside. A few guys keep saying that. Uh, Charlie, back out PR could be brutal. The only thing I'd say to that is, do you remember the one against West Brom where there was loads of tickets sold? And it was, it was very good-natured, let's just say, wasn't it? It was very, well, we're going to get behind the team for this duration, but, the duration of this game, Seb. But that was at the start of Lambert's reign, really, wasn't it? It was a Friday night it game, was, if I remember yeah. rightly, about a month or so after we'd been appointed. Yeah, we had to so cancel think... our bloody Blue Monday live show because <laughs> yeah. of Sky moving it, didn't we? There was still goodwill towards him at, at this point. You know, you're seeing it more and more on Twitter and on, on TWTD. The tide against Cook is starting to turn. And if we lose to Charlton and Wigan, which, you know, we could conceivably lose those two games on the bouncing quick succession. And if we don't get a good result against Sunderland and over the Christmas period, then you might get to the first week of January and the, the season could almost be over because we'll be so far behind the promotion places with so many, so much traffic in front of us. It's going to be a hell of a, a hell of a run to try and get back in there. So it could, it could well be backfire you know he, he hasn't got the same credit in the bank that I think Lambert potentially had when he first came in I think the supporters expectations and, and certainly mine are starting to wear thin with it because we know what we're going to see you know we know that if we go tuning up in a game and we concede one we're all going to think to ourselves we know what's about to happen because we've got so much evidence for this year is it there's something ridiculous like if we if we hold on to leads aren't we second in the league or something crazy you know we've we've thrown so many points away from winning positions that the crowd will start to get edgy and, and we all know what will happen Agreed. I think um in, away on, Joe, from sorry. home, in our first seven or eight games of the season, we scored the first goal and we, and we managed to win one of those games. Mm. Yeah, that was the like, consistent pattern and it's changed crazy, back that, a bit now. I just, I just let, found could, let two comments goals. on the individuals from last night. And he, he yeah, said, go ahead, um, you know yourselves, you know against crew, when it got nervy, same again tonight, we make games nervy, we give ourselves problems in games we shouldn't. We're not under great pressure. We're not getting pinned back and clearing it off the line. We have massive individual errors that keep costing us. And until we change the individuals at times, then individual errors won't change. It's like, well... Which other manager is given a free, clean sweep of, you know, all the players he wants, handpicks the best players in the leagues. And, you know, for the second season in a row, he's starting to throw players under the bus. Well, it's, it's, it's not just that. It's He comes out of the game and he talks passionately about, about what the game that's happened. But... We're not hearing sort of, I don't know, it just seems like he's a podcaster almost talking about the game. Like he's telling us what's happened. He's not actually telling us why it's happened and what he might be doing to change it. But it's, uh, I don't know, it's just strange. And like I say, pack out PR. I, I think the problem we've got is we've had such a, there's been such goodwill around the club over the last few months since the takeover and everyone's so excited by it. But like the last two home games, it's almost turned to apathy. It's not even negative at the moment. We're, we're, we're almost back to being an apathetic fan base again, which is just wasting this opportunity of a lifetime as a football club. It's just going down the pan. And I think we've won, since Cook's come in, we've won seven out of 30 games at Portman Road. Well, no wonder the fans are apathetic. Um, I was just thinking about this as Pablo put the question in. No other manager in the EFL is underperforming as much as Kirk. Uh, I was trying to cycle my championship knowledge there. Um, I don't necessarily agree, Pearson, at um, Bristol City. I was going to, to be fair to the questioner, Pablo, the ones that have have actually been fired. The biggest ones are McCarthy at uh, Cardiff and Jukanovic at Sheffield United. I would have had down in the championship. I can't speak necessarily to uh, League One or League Two. Um, Etc. Um, sorry, this one amused me. Let me bring this one up, Seb. Uh, David, with the usual negative narrative around, um, which we have seen translate to players in the last few seasons, which game do you guys will do you think will see first to see an ITFC player put the fingers in their ears? That god awful celebration. Um, is it going to happen again? Uh, oh, hopefully not. Christ, that was uh, yeah, that was that uh, last year we started doing that. It was, wasn't it? Lambert's second year, yeah, last year in the empty that. stadium, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, it won't make a return. But you know, the more noise that's generated on social media and <clears throat> message boards, and I guess in the stadium, you know, we I guess at some point we might see a uh, some 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 how should we say dubious Tension. goal celebrations, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Um, what else should we should we talk about? Um, John McGrill, thank you for all your questions, keep them, um. Keep them coming in. So, we've had the return of John McGreal, Joe. That's why you're wearing the shirt, isn't it? That's because he scored a goal. His first goal for Ipswich Town wearing the shirt against Everton. 
And he was a very infrequent scorer. I think he like played 400 games for Tremere or something. I think, they, I think this was his second ever career goal is one yeah, against Everton. that would be about right. I love John McGrill, by the way. Um, when we were just saying before we before we hit go, there was a lot of glamorous players around that team. You know, you sort of had your super speedy David Johnson, your Jim McGilton creative, you know, Matt Holland, the, you know, Duracell bunny in midfield. And you just stick this work-a-day, super experienced centre-back who we all expect to, let's be fair, we all expect it to be a bit of a clogger. And he was class. Rolls he was Royce. class, wasn't he, Joe? I remember watching when we did the um, 20 year of the promotion, all the work on the pod for that. And we had the f- the final, effectively the full game of the final. And you watched and the ability of John McGreal and Mark Venus as those wide centre-backs, their passing ability into the front then was just like sort of years ahead of where sort of football was at that time. It's sort of, they're the sort of two players with that style who could play in, play in today's game. And I say maybe John McGreal... Would anyone prefer him to Toto Enciala at the back at the moment? (laughs) (laughs) One thing I always remember about John McGrill, Seb, I don't know why I remember this. I was in Churchman's at the playoff semi-final second leg, the big 5-3. And I don't know if anyone else remembers this. It's right before the end of the game. So it's before Magilton has got what would have been his third goal, wouldn't it? And made it, I don't know, seven all at that point or something. And the ball goes into the right back area. And John McGrill just boots it up in the air. And I just remember, I, I don't know, he was a brilliant player, but I just remember at that time thinking, we, we, we've done it again. We're going to lose this. We've been brilliant all season and we're not we're not going out. What, what are your memories of um, John McGrill said before we, before we come to his return? Absolute classy player, wasn't he? I remember him being a really good crosser of the ball as well. He'd sort of get forward in that right-sided centre-back position. Willness would be towards deep. the byline. Yeah, he'd yeah. put it back, wouldn't he? And McGrill would swing it in. I think against Wolves, I remember Scowcroft, I think, scoring a, in a 1-0 home win in about Novemberish time. And what yeah, just team. a really, really solid player. You know, really good with the ball at his feet, like Joe said. Him and Venus pinging balls out and about. Really good defender. And um, yeah, just a, a really good good character is what you hear as well, isn't it? You know, you hear he's a, a really good guy and delighted he's back in involved in the in the team now so what's what's the what's the deal then joe um you're telling me he's he's coming under the auspices of one thing but he, he might he might be wearing a couple of hats yeah well, i heard it's more of a first team coaching role than an under 23s and his involvement with the under 23s is going to be more along the lines of if there's any real involvement sort of a link player between the under 23s and the first team so but i think this is very much a, a first team coaching appointment without Sort of maybe putting some noses out of joint in the in the sort of coaching staff or the club with the announcement, but don't be surprised to see John McGreal at more first team games. You see him under twenty threes games. He's he's been at most games this season as it is. What's on the CV, Seb? He did Colchester. Did he, am I misremember? Did he Swindon or for like right? a month? Yeah, for like a month. He didn't manage any the games season. there. He didn't. Yeah, it was just pre season, wasn't it? And he he left after about a month or so. So not really involved there. So four years at Colu, wasn't it? A couple of seventh place finishes and then a loss in the playoff semi final. So some some decent time there. Um, and obviously, you know, we all know what he was like as a player. You know, at least now we're going to have a proper defensive player, defensive minded player involved in our coaching. Hopefully, in the in the first team stuff. Maybe he can take the defensive set pieces off of Francis Jeffers. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss away days are great but there's nothing quite like home comforts the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home advantage with mc delivery you in order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com blue monday are delighted to be partnered with Talksport fan network and nordvpn giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. 
For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. We also had um, a couple of really good cup runs with culture as well. I remember them. Did they beat they were Spurs Man United, I remember. They played Man yeah. United one year, played Spurs one year. So he, they definitely overperformed Spurs in pins, cups. Didn't they? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Um, John, uh, McGrill was watching the under-23s at Stowe back in pre-season. So being appointed in that capacity, not a huge surprise. Could see him ending, ending up as interim manager, dearing me. Um, I, know, I know what you're saying, though. Uh, FPL tractor. Uh, John McGreal is definitely in my top five underrated players ever. Paul Mason is also on that list. Love watching uh, McGreal. McGreal takes over. Wolfie comes back into the side. There we go. Um, anything else? No, I think we're all good on John McGreal and his return. Um, right. Seb, fill us in. Barrow in the in the FA Cup. Um who are Barrow and what can we expect? <laughs> so I've done a sort of a, a watered down version compared to what me and Rich normally do. So it's very, very similar to Oldham in, in round one in terms of where they are and how their season is going. So at the moment, 20th in League Two, played 19, only won four games this season, plus the FA Cup victory. Uh, drawn seven and lost eight, scored 20 goals and conceded 24. And they've lost four and drawn one of their last five games. So they're not, not in good form going into this one. They played Banbury United, who I think are in the Southern Conference Premier League in the first round of the FA Cup when we beat Oldham. And they won 4-0. Um, and they seem to go full strength in that game. So it looks like they kind of, they haven't got the biggest squad in the world, but it looks like they kind of look to take the, the Cups relatively seriously. Uh, last season, finished 21st in League, League Two on 50 points, five points eventually clear of relegation. So at this stage of the season, they're roundabout where you would expect them to be based on sort of last year and stuff. Uh, dropped out of the Football League in 2009 and actually got relegated again down to the National League North in 2013 and spent two seasons down there before they started to make their way back up. They uh, they won the conference in the, the COVID curtailed 2019-20 season before finishing uh, five points clear of relegation last year. Manages a guy called Mark Cooper, who's only been there since May this year. Not a great record. Played 24, won six, drawn seven, lost 11. And he's averaging 1.04 points per game. So, um, you know, he's, he's, he's not doing great this season. But they are kind of where they are. You know, this is based on their history. This is kind of where you sort of expect them to be at this stage of the season. So, Joe, you already mentioned the Charlton game. And I assume that's going to come into both your guys thinking in terms of your... 11s here. <laughs> Would you um, remember we did this last time for the Oldham game? I don't think we got a single player right. <laughs> that team was a bit more heavy duty than we thought, Seb, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. I think we sat here trying to predict it and we were like, oh yeah, he'll definitely play and he'll definitely drop out. And then Paul Cook went full strength, didn't he? <laughs> Surely he's not going to do that um, with Shelton on the Tuesday night, Joe, is he? Well, I, I, th- I think it's going to be quite a strong team, personally. I, I think there is... I think we've, we're trying to make an effort with the FA Cup this year. And I know it's only a pizza trophy game, but I think that defeat is just going to really set us back. And I think we've now got to go out there and try and win this Barrow game. Because if we don't win this, it just heaps of pressure on him for Tuesday, for Saturday. So it wouldn't surprise me to see an almost full-strength team out of seven or eight of the starters for Tuesday let's, in there. Let's do some group think between the two of you then. Um, give, give me a name for um, Keeper then, Seb, and then Joe. It's got, it's got to be it's Christian got to be Walton, Walton, hasn't it? It's got to be Walton, surely, after last night. Well, I wouldn't even be that surprised if Holy would have come back in, maybe, but it can't be Slagkey, surely, after that. I'm no, going to hold you to account on this one, Walton. Uh, Joe, right back? Danassian. Seb? Yeah, I agree, Danassian. Yeah. Um, Seb? Wolfenden, I think, might get a start. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Wolfenden and Burgess again, maybe, but if he's going to go strong, it'll be Wolfenden, maybe, and Edmondson on the left. Joe? Yeah, no, I agree. So, Wolfenden and Edmondson? Yeah. Yeah. Left back, Joe. I think give Matt Penny another game. Seb? Agree, yeah. Got the assist yeah. and yeah, he'll get the game, I think. Double pivot then, Seb? Uh, I think Lee Evans might well come into it and I'd like to see El Mazzuni stick alongside him. I'd Joe. like to see Sam Morsi and Idris El Mazzuni as a pairing there. What am I putting down? <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. Put more, put more, put more <laughs> to your, put more to your Mazzuni. <laughs> we'll go with Joe. More to Mazzuni. Uh, three off the front. Uh, Joe, being you care so much. Um, <laughs> Aluko, Edwards, and Chaplin. What do you think, Seb? Yeah, I think those three as well. I think it'll be the same. And I think what? I think Pigger up top again. Pigger or Bond? Bond? I think Bond. Do you think? Okay. Who is your three off the front? Yeah. Sorry, Aluko. Chaplin, Chaplin in the 10, Edwards left. Although Jackson, to be fair, he might get a start. Man, he scored twice. He might well get a start in that wide right. What's the worst that could happen? So what are you two saying? Walton, Danassi and Wolfen and Edmondson Penny, Morsi El Mazzuni, Aluko, Chaplin, Edwards and Pigger. That should be Barrow. By the way, I watched QPR on Monday. Macaulay Bon is getting nowhere near that first team. Nowhere near. They've settled on... Um, they've got Wallet. Chair and Willock now as a two off the front. And then they have Charlie Austin, um, Andre Gray and Lyndon Dykes. No way is he getting near that team from what they've settled on with. No, I, I think Willock are their best like two Warburton players. M said the other day, I think basically Macaulay Bonner come out and said, oh, if they bring me back, it'll really pee me off. So I don't want him to. And I think Warburton just has, he's asked, he's then asked that question. Macaulay Bond said he doesn't want to come back here. What are you going to do about it? And he's just given the... If we want him back, we'll have him back. There's just more chance it. of James Norwood starting as Ipswich's number nine than there is Macaulay Bond starting as QPR's number nine. Yeah, I, opinion, I, 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 I think, I think um, Mark Warburton was just sort of, not chucking his way back, but maybe just reminding Macaulay Bond that he has contracted to QPR. He's got to make a point, hasn't he? Yeah. 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 Um, right. There we go. Um, what, what's going to happen then in the, in the Barrow game, Seb? Are you, are you going for some kind of two-all draw here? <laughs> yeah, tune it up at half time and then throw it all away and then get a replay on a cold Tuesday night. Actually, I wouldn't mind a replay because I've not been to Barrow, so I could uh, I could tick that one off. No, yeah, I mean, it? it's up near right up in the very northwest, like yeah, Cumbria, Blackpool, Cumbria kind of way. Oh, yeah, so that sounds a... like a replay all day long, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. it? It's so far out in the sticks that when Ian Everett was their manager there, who sort of took them up, they bas- they have a training base in basically Manchester because otherwise the players won't play for them because it's just so far out of the way. So they basically train in isn't Manchester. It Fleetwood? And it, and it, well, it's, no, it's further than No, Fleetwood. it's further. Yeah. There isn't anything. There's the sea, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> so, that, yeah, so they, they basically are based as a club almost in Manchester. They just hire training pitches in Manchester. All the players train there. And then for the games, they head up right up to the northwest. A bus takes the home team effectively up from Manchester up to there. Was David Dunn their manager? The old yeah, player, very, player. very briefly. Yeah, well, Ian Everett had done a really good job there. That was sort of like when they were that Barrow Salona and they were getting a lot of... No, um, that's rubbish. Uh, I don't like that. Yeah, but they, they, were, they were playing some brilliant stuff. Basically, sort of three men in a box on their own goal kicks, passing it, passing it out from the back. Really good. But then when they got promoted into the Football League, Ian Everett got the Bolton job. David Dunn came in and he, he did okay, but struggled. And then they, they brought in... I can't remember the guy's name. Rob Edwards, is it? Or no, he's a Forest Green manager. But sort of a, a coach came in for four or five games, won most of them. They then appointed a new manager who lasted about 10 games before he got sacked, brought the assistant back in again, who then did a really good job. And then they've given a job to somebody else who then struggled. But it was almost like the assistant who got the job should have been the one who sort of had the job full time because he had a really good record both times he was in charge. But um, yeah, Mark Cooper is just your sort of journeyman, yeah, lower league, league manager, lower league manager. Swindon, yeah. Barnet. He's actually yeah, Terry Cooper's son, the old league. Stevenage, not far from me, actually. Yeah, Stevenage. But yeah, he's Ter- Terry Cooper's son, the former Leeds manager. So oh, he's obviously had, to, obviously had to deal with losing his father earlier in the season. Mm. But he hasn't, I don't think he's pulled up any trees there. And I don't think he has done in his last few jobs. He's been at Forest Green previously as well. But I, I don't think he's, I think he's quite a strange manager that sort of a lot of people don't like him or get on with him. But he's got a decent record at a few places. So home win then, Seb? Oh, surely, I mean, well, I'd have said this at seven forty on Tuesday night. To be honest, yeah, hopefully we'll get some momentum and confidence back. If he kind of plays a hybrid side between the proper first team and some of the ones that were playing the other night, I guess that'll give us some sort of hope, and and hopefully we'll see a, a much improved performance and hopefully just some confidence going into these next two games because you know Charlton and Wigan away is a hell of a tough run, and, and we need to be going into those buzzing. 
What, you know, whatever whatever team we put out out of our first 24 professionals, you'll look at it on paper and say this team is good enough to beat Barrow. So it's just I agree like, with that. It's just a case of whether they do or not. But because the team that we put out against Newport was good enough to beat them, the team that we put out against West Ham under-21s was good enough to beat them, the team we put out against Oldham in the first round, um, the team against Colchester, the team against Arsenal under-21s, is good enough to beat them. But for whatever reason, this club and Cups do not, do not go well. So... But like I say, it's 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 a case that if we don't if we don't have a nice win there, and I'm not talking about when we beat Crew, I'm, I'm talking a, a good, comfortable two 0 win under no danger. Going into Charlton, it's just going to be there's going to be no confidence in the fan base, and we've got over three thousand fans going there. It's going to be a big, boisterous away end that day. Everyone's going to be looking forward to that, having a few beers in the day, up on the trains, and that is that Are is you one going, where. Joe? I'll be going. Yep, yeah, you're, you're quite train. boisterous, aren't you? Yeah, I can be. <laughs> <laughs> Try and keep it under wraps. <laughs> but um, um, yeah, no, it's it's. We, we like I say, I, I don't want to be going up on the train on Tuesday, chatting to a few people, having a few beers, thinking, bloody hell, we've lost to Barrow on Saturday, we've lost to Arsenal last week, we're we're not playing well, and this could be, this could be the end of Paul Cook at the moment. We're we we are at that stage of. At that stage of things, if things don't turn around quickly, we are in big, big trouble that this season is going to be wasted and all this enthusiasm, all this goodwill is going to be wasted with it. Um, get your questions in. We'll go a little while longer. If you want to uh, ask Seb or Joe any questions, get them in. I can see a couple I can already put to them there. Um, Seb, this is kind of a preview show, isn't it? So would you like to talk about the lovely venue that is the Greyhound in Ipswich, who are our partners for all our preview shows. Absolutely, yeah. As always, the uh, the, the pre-match show comes with a, a partnership from the Greyhound, the best pre-match and post-match venue in Ipswich, without a shadow of a doubt. Get yourselves down there on Saturday. I'm not sure. Rich is probably likely to be there. Dave might be there again. Is it boisterous? No, not at all. It's lovely. You sit outside. You've got the lovely, the lovely. Uh, go there. Yeah, well, that's why Joe never comes. The, uh, he doesn't meet the criteria. He's far too rowdy for us. <laughs> lovely heaters, lovely booths out the back. Great food, great beers. Yeah, get yourselves down there. And if you see any of us, come and come and have a chat. And one thing I will say as well, not about the pubs, but um, you might have noticed on the Twitter feed the Blue Monday Advent calendar that we've been doing that's over the last very couple of days. Great. Yeah, it's really good. But, very, um, very good. Yeah. I have spent an inordinate amount of time counting how many times each player has worn each number of shirt at, Ips- at Ipswich Town. So I now know who has worn each shirt the most times between numbers one and 59. So we have so far had the first two numbers, which is well, number where one. Where can people find that, Joe? Just on the Blue Monday Twitter. So we're just releasing it day by day. So number one was Paul Cooper who's made 575 appearances in the number one shirt. High bar. <laughs> number two, George Burley, who's made 500 in the High, higher bar. number two shirt. And number three, I'll, I'll give um, it away for everyone for tomorrow. I think we is know. Mick, is Mick Mills yeah. is who we're going to have tomorrow. But after Mick Mills, I think people might get number four, but I don't think anybody will be getting nice number then. five and number six are. Interesting. Okay. Um, right. Well, uh, check that out at Blue Monday ITFC. Get your um, questions in if you would like to um, like us to go a little bit longer. Get questions in for Seb and Joe. Do check out Richard's interview with um, Christian Walton. And we do need to give the club some credit because we said for years and years there was, um, you know, a bit of a disconnect. And we don't necessarily blame the you know, the, the previous press officer and the staff working there. I don't think it was encouraged. But, you know, a big thank you to the, the current uh, press officer and, and people there for allowing us to speak to Christian Watland. And it's not about us as such as a podcast. It's about allowing fans to hear from the players and build up that relationship. So um, we do need to give the club some some credit there and go and check out. Um, I, I've listened to about 20 minutes of, um, of that whilst taking Arlo for a quick circuit. But... He um he he did the business that he was on the circuit for quicker in, so I didn't get to listen to the whole the whole the whole show. I wasn't out for the full um half an hour. Right. I, I've um, listened to it, it's really good. There's some it's sort of a really interesting sort of general chat with him is sort of sort of about his sort of background and sort of coming from a small town down in Cornwall. Is is it Cornwall or Devon down there, I don't know. I guess Devon, Plymouth. And um, yeah, no, it's, it's a really interesting chat. It's sort of quite an open chat. And I think these longer form interviews do really find a way to actually sort of get to the nub of a matter rather than just your standard normal footballer interview saying, 
what did you think of this? What did you think of that? It's, no, it's a really interesting chat. So thanks to Marcus Nash, which you helped sort that for us. But also well done to Rich. You did a really good job with it as well. Um, let's go to some questions. Get your questions in. Um, we'll we'll go for another few minutes as long as there's questions. Uh, Seb, Mark, uh, could Barrow be Paul Cook's tipping point? Um, okay, let me play out a scenario. Um, let's say a 3-1 home defeat to Barrow. <laughs> Good God. If that happens, Christ, the, the fans will turn. I mean, I don't, I don't think they would fire him off the back of an FA Cup game, but if we lose a lad to Barrow, then the games against Charlton and Wigan are definitely going to be, you know, real hard work and lose those two. And I think we would be at the point where we'd have to, you know, shake hands and push back from the table because it's just it's just not working. Uh, keep your questions coming in, guys. Um, while the questions come, we will um, keep going. Joe... Uh, Andrew asked, did anyone who played in the Arsenal match, um, they have to be wearing blue though, I'll add that, um, impress, uh, deserve a start? Well, I think Caden Jackson is probably the most impressive, but he's not going to start ahead of Sonny Aluko or Wes Burns and he's been playing on that right-hand side. But no, I, I thought Emid Rasen was probably our best player in the midfield there. I think he showed the most and he played the sort of deeper, more aggressive role. But I think him and Sam Morsi might form a good partnership. I'd really like, whether it be luck, judgment, injury, suspension... I'd really like to see those two get a game together because I've got a feeling that if they did, that it might improve us and they'd sort of be hard players to get the shirt off. If you could think of a word beginning with B to describe a Morsi El Mazzuni kind of um, double pivot, Joe, what 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 might that be? Badass. <laughs> <laughs> it was an open goal for boisterous, for goodness sake. There we go. Um, right, what else are we saying? Um, is oh, Joe better take this as well? Is one of five or six Billy Baxter? You can I'm not going to give anything else it. away other than to say no, it's not. Oh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> kind of are giving it away there. Um, David Button, don't doesn't is he the West Brom reserve goalkeeper? He used to play for Brentford. David, thanks for watching our podcast. Um, Seb. Is it wrong to put this year down as a transition year? Kind of resigned myself to this. Yeah, it is. You don't sign players of the quality of Burr Anselina on loan and Christian Walton on loan for a, for a transition year. There's there's no way this was in the thinking of, of game changer at the start of the year. You know, this is he's been given the best squad, the free pick of most of the best players in this league and some very good players in the league above. The, 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 the simple answer has to be promotion. That's what they, everyone would have expected. I know in public and in the forums, they've said slightly different. You know, it might take longer, etc. But I don't think you give this level of investment and this level of free reign over signings without, without expecting a return on it. And that return for me is, is promotion. You know, the, the squad we've got is ridiculous and we should be doing a hell of a lot better than we are. And, and I guess it's, you know, if you, if you finish sixth in the playoffs or sorry, finish third in the playoffs and lose unluckily to the team in sixth and you think, okay, well, we gave it a good go, etc. But, you know, at this point, we're probably playing for sick. That's our target now for the rest of the season. And, you know, if we scrape in, have we got any confidence to do anything against one of the big boys? I, I don't think so. So, no, I, I don't think it can be a traditional season. It's a, it's a massively underperforming one for me. Joe, uh, Mario Tarico. That's uh, a good question, actually. If you could get our money back on any of the players brought in during the close season, uh, who would you say? That classic holiday question, isn't yeah. it? When, when you're stressed out three days before you go on holiday, if you could have your money back and not go, would you... Would you do well, it? Who, who are you thinking? Well, I've just started the engine to um, take Vaslav Hladky back up to Salford. For, <laughs> there, but no, it's it's a shame because he came to us with such a good reputation and was the best keeper outside the championship last year. So much you you wouldn't find a fan of any club in League Two who would talk badly about him, and he's just been an absolute disaster. Really, isn't it? it's really it's really sad to see, but he just looks totally shot confidence wise. Just looks to be shrinking every game almost that he plays. So yeah, him I take back. And I know it's a he's he's not a player that's done awfully. I don't think um he's been a poor but Scott Fraser for me, it just doesn't fit into this sort of four two three one that Paul Cook wants to play. It doesn't fit anywhere into that for me. It doesn't fit as a left winger and I know he played okay as in the um in the two, but he, he, for me, he's not mobile enough to get around there and he's he's not good enough defensively or mobile enough to get around there. And I, it just seems that he needs to be playing in a 4-3-3 where he's one of sort of two central midfielders that pushes on. So it seems like we spent a lot of money on a player that we haven't really got a use for. And uh, you, could almost question... say, you could almost say the same about Raheem Harper as well. 
I was going to say Harper, yeah. I'm not sure where he fits in now because he's clearly not part of the double pivot anymore, is he? And he's got a lot of traffic in the number 10 role. Yeah. So, yeah. But if we were to change the manager in. in the next couple of weeks, both those players could come into the team and be really good players. So, well, I wouldn't... Villa and Steven Gerrard, where they've gone straight to a different system and all of a sudden some players that maybe weren't fitting in can now fit in. Kind of... uh, guys, keep your questions coming. I reckon, I reckon we've got another eight minutes of questions and we can go the hour. Seb. Um, who do you think will have the ultimate say on Paul Cook's future? Game changer, three Lions or Ashton? Well, Ashton is quite patient, isn't he? But Cook isn't his man. So, you know, I guess the pressure will come come from him. But but game changer aren't going to be messing around. You know, some of the some of the quotes on Twitter before the start of the season, what was it? We will have no mercy on League One and stuff. You know, these guys were really, really set up to go big this year and he's simply not delivering. So I think pressure will start to come from the, 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 the money men pretty soon, I would think. Go big or go home. Joe, if you could scrap 4-2-3-1 for good, what formation do you guys think would best suit us with the players we have currently? You just mentioned, um, and I know, Joe, you're, you're, you're quite balanced with this. A lot of people get very het up with team shapes, and you've pointed out very well before, there's not a hell of a lot of difference. Maybe a one player moving back 10 yards between a... I know the functionality of the player, a 4-3-3 and a 4-2-3-1 or whatever you want to... Four one four one. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on that? Um, I, I think, to be honest, there's a definite element when when you see a lot the fashion. Football's always very fashionable. One team does something, everyone follows, and it seems a lot of teams and sort of from the top level down through this, it have gone from sort of the four at the back to three at the back with a sort of the wide back three. And I, I think you look at the squad we've got and. So I think George Edmondson could comfortably play that role. Cameron Burgess has played on the left a lot of a three for Accrington. Luke Wolfenden could play on the right. Janoy Danashian could play on the right of a back three. I think that probably suits him more. Wing-backs, Kane Vincent Young. Wes Burns on the right. Hayden Colson on the left, maybe. We might be a little bit short at left wing-back, but I think that just would probably make us a little bit more solid and allow us to either get a second striker onto the pitch in in Joe Piggott or allow us to play two in those attacking roles like Burst, Anselina and Connor Chaplin together without them being in each other's way. So I'd, I'd, I'd quite like to see a sort of a three at the back formation. I think that's, I think we've got the players for it, but then we have got the players for four, two, three, one. I we've think got the just... players for everything and there's whatever system, there's going to be several yeah. players on the bench that are going to be missing out, aren't they? It, it would be um, interesting, wouldn't it, if a brand new manager comes in and looks at the squad. It'd be interesting to see what they think would be best suited. That'd be quite an interesting thing to see, I think. Yeah, it goes back to that question, Seb, doesn't it? Of um, And I, I've never known what the answer is. Is it you go with your players over the um, philosophy or, you know, like Antonio Conte, where you know you know what the, what the shape's going to be or you go with... There, there's arguments for both isn't there as both being good things. So um, we'll stay with you, Seb. Um, is McGreal Ashton's hire or Cook's? Haven't seen Cook's uh, waxing lyrical about his big mate signing. Makes you wonder. Uh, what would you, it's a good, good kind of um, uh, sort of, Specula- speculatory question, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. Well, he, he's very good mates with Cook, apparently, and obviously he's Scouse, so he's part of the Scouse Mafia. So Cook must have had an input on him coming in. But I just wonder if Ashton, you know, for the, the last few weeks or months, maybe is, has been hinting at this, bringing somebody in, you know, somebody more defensively minded and someone with a bit of experience to help out, given the relative inexperience of the coaching team. Uh, Joe Fez, you're always good on these youth team questions here. Uh, Terry, are you worried that our youths are going to suffer? Um, what's what's next on the um, conveyor belt from the from the youth team, Joe? If there was someone you suspected, I know Bailey Clements has yeah, well, got in left back the last couple of games. Who's, probably the most who's impressive next? is is sort of Cameron Humphreys as a midfielder who's played in the I think the Newport game earlier this season and what sort maybe of the West Ham game, say, like lovely left foot, but sort of deep line playmaker, but sort of the able to get up and down the pitch as well. But you've got him, sort of Albie Arman. And obviously Elkin Baggett, but then probably ahead of these, you're looking at Tyree Simpson, who's out on loan at right. Swindon and doing really well in League Two there, and also Corey and Darber at Salford. But it does seem that, and just saw a comment there from David W about uh, Tawanda Chirera, whose name I can never ever say. So apologies for that. But um, he's scoring almost a goal a game for the under 23s. He's still an under 18. He's a number 10. But yeah, it, these players are not going to get a look in at all because there's, there's so much traffic for them to get through. And we're going to sign more players, no doubt, in um, in in January. Like, 
the squad is going to keep being added to and added to that you the only way you're going to get through at the moment, I think, is to go and have a loan spell like Tyree Simpson is having, do really well there, come back in pre-season and have a chance that way. But Idris Elmazuni's broken through, but they're not they're not the young players. They're sort of like 21 now, aren't they? Where yeah. there's a lot of players that are 18 that have got a lot of bodies between them and them and the squad. So there's a lot of players who are 25 who've got a lot of bodies between them and the first even some, team. But like I say, well, even someone like Albie Armin or, or even someone like Elkin Baggett, for example, who... Played a couple of times for the first team last year. He's behind Albie Armin in the um, in the queue. He's behind Corey and Darber. So just left-footed centre-backs, he's third in the queue. And he's one of our most promising young players. And he's third in the queue of young, promising left-footed centre-backs. But <laughs> before, no you even get to, the, before you even get to the first team. Deary me. Um, Andrew, uh, Seb, what would you change about uh, Paul Cook's approach that you think would turn the season around at this point? point and we obviously need to acknowledge that when you hire Paul Cook you know what you're going to get so um, there is you know it's worked at other clubs you don't hire the guy to then ask him to do something but I think Andrew's question is not unreasonable is it? No I just like to see some more in-game management you know and change tactics at some point in the game if if the tide starts to turn I I know Mick had an awful lot of doubters towards the end but the one thing Mick was brilliant at was the in-game side of things wasn't it you know I remember you you always talked about Villa away didn't you with the the Emma Hughes win (laughs) and changed things (laughs) about three or four times and changed systems and you know that's what I'd like to see if the tide is obviously turning and we know we're we're sort of mentally fragile and the crowd can sense what's coming why can't we just look to maybe you know go to a a flat three in midfield just something different, you know, to kind of stem the inevitable. The, the definition of madness is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And that seems to be what happens when we throw a, when we, when we concede a goal, if we're in the lead, we all know what's going to happen. So I'd like to see some sort of reactionary things from our management. I, probably I also think really even mess not, up the opposition benches, Joe, wouldn't it as yeah. well? They're probably, they're probably saying in their pre-games, look, they're not going to um, switch to a different shape. This is what you've got to stop. If they get it right, good luck, like at um, Wickham or Doncaster, Pompey, etc. Sorry, Joe, what were you going to say? Well, just on that note, I think ITFC Analytics did a good thread about the crew game the other day, just sort of basically saying how Tom Lowry just became a free player, effectively, and we just didn't pick him up and deal with him at all. They just changed the shape to do that. But, but when it was talking about... Um, sort of manage not just Mick McCuffey, but you go back to like George Burley and, and this game, the shirt that I'm wearing when we beat Everton 3-0, you go and watch that game and it's an absolute masterclass tactically of just changing it up all game. Jamie Clapham just being that player going from left back to left midfield to centre <laughs> mid and just using him as almost just the key player just to set how we're going to play. And, and, and that was against Walter Smith that day who just could not keep up with us at all. And I know that was a squad that Burley had built over years, but it's just getting those players on the same wa- wavelength. But... We'll see. And that was also a squad that got promoted with the three and went to the four and had great success, like you say, with with maybe one key player who could move position in mm. game. So yeah, it's um it's a very good point. Um Rich is saying um there's a retweet. Um uh Luke does some good work, doesn't he? Um on Chure were there. Who's the guy who plays for Villa, Joe? Chuck Wood Chuck Wood Carney Chuck Wood. Chuck Winamaker. Yeah, he went through on goal yesterday and I had to talk about him in my review show today, so I feel your pain. Um, Guys, we're coming up the hour. Um, Let's just uh, make a quick apology to uh, FPL tractor Michael, Gary, um, (laughs) Eric. Sorry, Eric. Why am I being ignored like Miles Kenlock? I'm sorry. We literally, the the thing goes down and I just click on what's there. Please, uh, apologies. If anyone did get ignored in the chat, there's no... Literally no thought. I'm trying to keep the conversation going and then click on it. So apologies, Eric, who's um, um, a good uh, good subscriber for us. But we, we're not um, we're not willfully ignoring anybody there. So um, accept my apologies there. Right. Um, thank you. Uh, what did you call it, Joe? The preamble, the I, review preamble. I sort of blocked that from my memory. <laughs> The, the 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 boisterous. Um, the, what else would begin with? Banter brigade. Oh, that is sensational. Oh, that's 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 why he's here. Uh, let's give one more plug um, for the Greyhound, uh, Seb. Absolutely. Yep. Get yourselves down there pre-match. Have a chat with the guys if we're about and obviously post-match as well. And Joe, one more plug for um, your Colin the Caterpillar, Marks and Spencer's advent calendar. Yeah, just follow the Blue Monday Twitter feed and <laughs> go from there. Just quickly, I, I know we've gone over, but it's just a comment from Michael there about He's not changing fire. systems during the game. I'd, I'd love, I'd love to hear from a Wigan fan 
I'm sure there's none watching this video because why would you be an hour deep into an Ipswich Town chat if you're a Wigan fan? But what did did they ever change shape there? Did they stick to that forty-three-one so rigidly, or was there just times when they moved away from, from right it? back to central midfield, Joe? <laughs> yeah, but so I can't remember those games. All, did but I'd, I'd I'd love to I'd love to know on that. No, they didn't. Um, is my understanding. It was it was um, a player called Cal Naismith who was there. Mm. Jamie Clapham who would move from left wing to central midfield to left back to centre back. But my understanding is no, it was very. That's what they're doing. And um, I don't want to stir the pot right at the end here, Joe, but surely, ultimately, Cook wins out in that argument at Wigan because where where he left them compared to where he had them, it worked, mm. didn't it? It needed a lot of needed a lot of time and a bit of um, and a lot a investment. lot of investment. Their players were very well paid players. They're signing. Oh, it's helpful having Rhys James and Anthony Robinson as your fullbacks. Yeah, and Kiefer in, Moore in, signing for three million quid. And... Kiefer Moore. Uh, yeah, I totally accept that, Joe. Yeah, totally. Accept and a sounding that. board number two in Liam Richardson. Yeah, there we go. Uh, right, unbelievable stuff. I'll give one more plug. Check out Richard's um, interview with Christian Walton. Uh, which is great, actually, because we often get, what do you guys know about football? You're just fans. Well, Christian Walton's talking on our channel now, and he's literally in the team. So there you go. He knows what he's talking about, doesn't he? Right. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Um, and we will be back, I think it's me again, on Sunday, talking about Barrow. Um, and uh, seven is 2-2 two, two draw and, and, a, and a replay. Yeah, a, in the... a replay in between Wigan and Sunderland. Brilliant. <laughs> we play in the North Sea. Yeah. Um, last word from you, Joe. Oh, no, I haven't got the energy. Uh, boisterous. Uh, last word from you, Seb. Just win on Saturday. There you go. Just win. See you later, everybody. <laughs>